Hello and welcome to The Butt Show, a man of the people, an average butt Joe. I'm Daniel Butt, and on this episode I'm going to tell you what I know about peanut butter and jelly. I haven't done any research. As always, I'm talking out of my butt. Okay. Peanut butter and jelly are the two ingredients of a classic sandwich. It's most common in children's lunches, but will appear without stigma in adult meals as well, whether that's an NBA player's pregame snack or yours truly's Friday dinner. Sure, all three ingredients can be unusually high in sugar, from the natural fruit-based sucrose in the jelly, to the added corn syrup in mainstream nut butters, to the gluten farts or however sugar sneaks its way into white bread. At the same time, nut butters are rich in protein, bread has fiber, and jellies have uh, vitamin C. So the peanut butter and jelly sandwich is nutritionally complete, on top of being inexpensive, easy to make, easy to store, easy to eat, and pretty tasty too. Each of the sandwich's three components represents a controversial choice. First in name and consideration, the peanut butter. Crunchy versus creamy, what a debate! Nothing in America, the land of diabetic obesity, is as divisive. Not one political party over the other, not the orientation of the toilet paper roll, not even whether a hot dog is a sandwich. In a more general context, this debate may never be settled. On a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, however, the answer is clear, and the answer is creamy. Opposers will argue that crunchy peanut butter lends a necessary textural contrast, and to that I myself have two oppositions. First, that issue can be handled by the bread, which I will discuss later. Second, crunchy peanut butter is at a textural contrast with itself, being at once gooey and pebbly. So the argument here is weak. This may be a virtue for other snacks, like ants on a log. Saying the peanutty bits of a crunchy peanut butter are the ants instead of raisins is worthy of the MacArthur Genius Grant. So go creamy on your sandwich, and beyond that, I don't care. Grind your own nuts into homemade butter, or buy a jar of Jif. Heck, buy a jar of government peanut butter so heavily processed it's labeled peanut spread. Peanut margarine. There are more important factors to consider here like the jelly. Some will argue that there's a distinction over what falls under the jelly umbrella and what qualifies as jam instead. Jam is one of those British things that never made it across the Atlantic, like monarchies, the letter U in a bunch of words, and a disregard for dental hygiene. What Americans call jelly, the British call jam. What Americans call gelatin, the British call jelly. And jello now calls an unfortunate association with a sexual predator. Anyway, the jelly is the only part of the sandwich where you're free to experiment with flavors. The original standard is strawberry, a nice crimson red in color, and standard fruity sweetness in taste. Color really doesn't matter much to me, but I do prefer a little tartness instead of one note sweet. So you'll see me spreading a raspberry jelly if I have some, and grape if I don't. There's a danger in going too tart at the expense of sweet, because you need something to balance the savory nuts. For that reason, and also its association with other things British, I avoid orange marmalade. It's not like Downton Abbey serves peanut butter and jelly, even among the downstairs people. Is that reference appropriate? I haven't seen the show. Finally, the bread, the foundation of the whole thing. Right off the top, I can tell you that any bread you have to slice yourself should be immediately removed from consideration. The PB&J is proletariat food, and artisanal crusty loaves 
or bougie bread. Just get the heck out of here with your split tops and sourdough starters. It's not called a bread sandwich for a reason. No one cares about the taste of the carbs in the same way no one cares about the design of a FedEx envelope. Both are simply the means of transportation for the goods inside. Now, if you want to discuss toasted versus untoasted, I'll grant you the opportunity. Personally, I'm a toasted man myself when it comes to the peanut butter and jelly. The crunch of the toast is a nice textural contrast to the two goos of the inside. Untoasted bread, especially white wonder bread, which is one of the PB&J standards, may as well be goo itself. And yes, I like to use two slices of white bread from a loaf in a twist-tied plastic bag that costs less than a dollar. If it's available, I always go with the whole wheat bread that looks and tastes like white bread, as if they snuck the nutrition in there hoping it would go undetected. That whole sentiment is pretty much the spirit of the peanut butter and jelly anyway. So here we go. Two pieces of white wheat bread in the toaster, enough to get a caramel brown color, and no more. Burnt toast is the product of the devil who burns a lot of other things. Spread the creamy peanut butter on one piece of toast while it is still warm to make it extra gooey and messy. An equal amount of raspberry jelly on the other piece. Full coverage, please. I maneuver the jelly piece onto the peanut butter piece because it's stickier and less likely to fall off as the toast is inverted. Cut into triangles or don't. I don't care. You can't have a strong opinion on how your sandwiches are cut if you're old enough to cut them yourself. Whining is for babies. Peanut butter and jelly sandwiches are for everyone. And that's all I know about peanut butter and jelly. Oh, sounds like I've got an incoming butt dial. 5,000 people streaked downtown. You were doing stunts like this at home when you were a baby. Very cute. Look, look. It is illegal, okay? Thanks to Martha Stewart for their call. To submit a topic for a future episode or to listen to previous episodes, go to thebuttshow.com. Take care, everyone.